Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. What I loved the most about Christmas growing up was this game that my brother and I used to play with the presents, where we would go and count the gifts under the tree. And what my mom did was instead of putting name tags on the gifts, she came up with a different wrapping paper for each kid so we could identify which gift was ours. And so my brother and I would compete to see who's going to get the most gifts this year. And another thing that we did that was fun is we would go and try to guess what the gift may be. I don't know if you ever did this growing up where you would go and you'd find the present under the tree and you'd pick it up and you say, you know what, that looks to be about the size of a Nintendo. And then you shake it and you go, oh, good, I hope it's not a Nintendo because if it is, I just broke it. And as fun as that is trying to guess what is inside the gift, it's not as exciting as Christmas morning. That's the time that, that everything's been building to, that this time where we finally get to open it, unwrap it, and see what's inside. And I remember one of my greatest Christmas memories growing up was the year that my brother and I received a Sega to share. For those of you who are too young to remember Sega, it's a gaming system. And we would play Shinobi and Afterburner all the time. But that Sega would have been useless to us had we never unwrapped it. I mean, we could have talked about the gift in the box. We could have assumed maybe there's a Sega in it. Somebody even could have told us, hey, there's a Sega in there. But that gift would have remained useless had we never unwrapped it to enjoy it. Because how many of you know a gift is useless as long as it's wrapped in this paper? As long as the gift remains in the box, there's nothing you can do with it other than look at it, talk about it, carry it. It can be in your possession. It can belong to you, but there's no way to enjoy it unless you what? Open it. You've got to unwrap it. Otherwise, that gift is useless to you. Turn the person next to you. It's useless. The reason I say that is because I think a lot of times, or some of the times, for some people, that's how we treat our salvation. We, we know it's a gift from God, and we, we carry it around. It's in our possession. We have it. We talk about it. We tell people about how we're saved, but we never take the time to unwrap the gift that God has given to us to discover what is really inside this box. Because you need to know that there is more inside the gift of salvation than just an eternal home. Now, don't get me wrong. I am thankful that one day we will say bye-bye to all the pain and the suffering, and we will live in the presence of God forever. I am thankful for that. That is a tremendous part of the gift that God has given to us. But there is more. Turn to the person next to you say, there's more. So throughout this series... We're going to be talking about unwrapping Christmas. We're going to be talking about what does this gift of salvation really 
mean for us? And there's no way we're going to be able to cover the entirety of this subject in the short few weeks that we have together. But I do want to touch on some important things. So somebody say, it's time. Come on, say, I like you mean it. It's time to start unwrapping Christmas. If you're watching online right now, put that in the chat. Unwrapping Christmas. And I'm going to start with Luke, the second chapter. In the eighth verse, here's what the Bible says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Turn to the person next to you and say, it is good news of great joy that will be for all people. Let's just pause here. How many of you feel like you're in all people in here? If you've got breath in your lungs, this is for you. This is good news for you. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is your good news. Sometimes when we get into this whole church environment, we read verses like, for God so loved the world, and we, we believe that, but we forget that we're a part of this world that he loved. We forget that as he was dying and suffering on the cross, he was doing it for you as an individual. Not just the entire world, but me, my world, my life, my home, my family. This is my good news. You don't have to take it today, but I'm personalizing this one. I'm going to take it home with me. This is my good news. Nate, this is mine. Remember those birds in that cartoon? Mine. Mine, 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 mine. That's what I'm, my mind is going to be doing that throughout the entire sermon, and I hope yours does too. Because what we talk about today, you need to get that mentality. Mine, 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 mine. Or the religious way to say mine is amen, which means let it be so. Let it be done in my life. Mine. So he says, this is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What is the good news? He goes on to say in verse 11, for unto you, there it is again, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Now it's bringing it back to where we are. This isn't the heavenly realm. This is what heaven is releasing to earth. And on earth, peace. Somebody say peace among those with whom he is pleased. The King James, ver that version, <laughs> says, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. When I was growing up around Christmas time, trying to figure out what I was going to get my parents was always difficult for me. I, well, I should say this, buying Christmas for my father was always difficult. 
Buying for moms is easy. I mean, a mom, you make a handmade ornament, put your face on it. She will cherish that for her entire life. But dads, they're a little bit different. They, look, they go, oh, that's cute. And then eventually that's winding up in the garbage can. <laughs> I have to be careful at my house because my, my daughter's in preschool and she brings home like all these activities all the time. And she expects me to keep every single one of them. I don't. But she has learned to go through the garbage can. And it is heartbreaking when she comes in and goes, Dad, <laughs> this was my book. Well, that's how dads are. Dads are a little, I, well, I shouldn't say all dad. I can't throw every dad in this category. My dad was difficult when it came to Christmas. And so I thought, well, the best thing to do is just say, what would you like? What would you like to have for Christmas? And every year, he said the same exact thing. And I'm willing to bet that if I were to call him today and say, Dad, what would you like for Christmas? He would answer in the same way. He would say, Son, all I want is peace on earth. Which was confusing to a little child. Because I interpreted that as another necktie. <laughs> but the, the older I get, Tom, the, the more I realized that what he said had tremendous value. All I want is peace on earth because without peace, everything else is meaningless. It doesn't matter how much money you have if you don't have peace. Some of you are like, well, I'd like to try that out, Pastor. <laughs> it doesn't matter how nice of a home you live in or how fancy your car is. If there's no peace, it doesn't matter. If you have a relationship without peace, it's meaningless. Life without peace equals pain. Life without peace equals pain. All I want for Christmas is peace on earth. And the good news is, according to Luke, the second chapter, Jesus came to bring peace. I don't have to go throughout this life without peace. Mine, 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 amen, peace belongs to me. When, when my wife and I were getting ready to, to get married, she went to this like uh, wedding, uh, I don't know, what do you call it, trade show? She went to this bridal show. I wasn't there. <laughs> and um, there's a lot of backstory that goes into the blessing and favor that we receive, but I'll just give you the, the, the cliff notes. When she went, she started signing up for all these different raffles, and she started winning all these different raffles. She won. Uh, I got a free tuxedo out of it. Um, she received some, some stuff for her. There was all kinds of stuff, but one of, one of the greatest portions of what she won that day was we won a free honeymoon to an all-inclusive uh, resort in Jamaica. Yeah, completely paid for. And so we go on our honeymoon, which was the best week of my wife's life. <laughs> you want to talk about peace? Oh, yeah. And when we get there... When we get there, all these, these people come and start assisting us with our luggage, and they make sure that 
everything is delivered to our room. So we didn't have to do any of it, Bob. I didn't have to carry my luggage, any of it. So they do that, and, you know, it's customary that when someone helps you like that, you give them a tip. You give them a little bit of money. So as soon as all of our stuff was delivered, I pulled out some cash, and I began to pay the gentleman to thank him for delivering our luggage. And he said, oh, no, sir. He said, I can't receive this from you because everything that happens here is included in your package. That's what you need to know about the peace of God. It is included in the package. When you say yes to Jesus, you are saying yes to the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Somebody say peace belongs to me. Now that does not mean that there will be no conflict in your life. I want to go rec on record of saying this. It doesn't matter if you're saved or unsaved, you will have conflict and trials and pain and heartbreak and loss. Some people teach this magical thinking that if you just had enough faith, brother, then nothing would come your way. That's not biblical. I mean, read about the Apostle Paul who says, we, man, we, we despaired of life itself because it got so difficult. We were persecuted, yet not abandoned. We were struck down, yet not destroyed. So when we talk about peace, we're not talking about a life absent of conflict. I believe in decreeing and declaring the word of God. But the, just because I say enough good things doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. Because how many of you know life happens to every single person? So the peace I'm talking about is not a life free of conflict or problems or pain or that everything's going to go your way. I'm talking about a peace that happens in the midst of your storm, a peace that happens in the middle of your conflict because Jesus is with you all the time and the same God that walked with you into the situation will be the same God that walks you through the situation and brings you out to the other side. It's a peace that says it is well, even when it doesn't look well, though. It is well. I have peace. That, that separates us from the world. You want to know what makes us different? It's not the trial or the conflict. It's how we roll through the trial and the conflict. And the peace that we have from God that he says goes beyond understanding, it goes beyond our understanding because there's times in life that, that in the natural we just want to freak out and throw our hands up and it's okay because it happened to our favorite Bible characters too. But the peace we have says there's something better on the other side. There's something better on the other side. God's with me. He's going to help me. It's that peace that David talks about that when he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil. Fear will try to creep on me. Fear will try to overwhelm me. Anxiety will try to cripple me. But I'm not going to allow that because I know that no matter what happens, God is with me. Peace belongs to me. Somebody say peace, peace. belongs to me. Mine, 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 <laughs> mine, mine, mine. 
In John, the 14th chapter, Jesus says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Isaiah, the prophet that Randy read earlier, he calls Jesus the prince of peace. The prince of peace came so that you could become a person of peace. Mine. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. These are words that Jesus is giving his disciples before he is arrested and beaten and crucified on the cross. He's letting them know, like, you're about to go through a season of hardship and pain, but there's an inheritance attached to it. Because although I leave this world physically, my spirit of peace will remain with you. And if he is the Prince of Peace, if we really believe that, and we really believe what Jesus says about us receiving him into our life, that he makes his home with us, then his peace dwells inside of me. And I've got to learn to see that. I've got to learn to think about that. I've got to learn to fix my focus on that. Because when troubles come, it's going to try to distract you from everything that God has done for you. But I've got to remember, his peace belongs to me. The good news of great joy, the reason he came is so that I can have peace. Again, it's not tranquility. It is the peace of God that goes beyond understanding. And here's what you need to know about his peace. It doesn't come in pieces. Turn to the person next to you and say, his peace doesn't come in pieces. See, when he says, he says, I'm going to give you my peace. He says, and I don't give it the way the world gives it. There's two things you need to know. One, the peace of God is not defined the same way that the peace of the world is described. The peace of the world is described or, or, or defined as tranquility. And how many of you know you can t- attach a big B and S to that? If, if, I mean, unless you know something that I do not know, and you're smoking something that I have not yet smoked... Then what I've learned, Bob, is that a life free of pain and pressure is not available. It's not even biblical. So it's not that kind of peace. It's not the tranquility. And also, it doesn't come in pieces. See, the world's peace comes in pieces. There are pockets of peace that we can find, maybe on a vacation, sitting on a beach, Pocket of peace. But I mean, you know, the beach doesn't last. Neither does the peace. You get into a new relationship that you enjoy. Pocket of peace. But how many of you know that peace is something you're going to have to work for to maintain 
in your home. The world offers pockets of peace, but what Jesus wants you to know is what I bring is going to be everlasting peace because it's not external, it's internal. My peace is not determined by what is going on around me, but by what God has done for me and continues to do inside of me. You, you need to catch that today because many of us would define peace as nothing bad happening around us. But perfect peace that comes from God is that peace in the midst of the crisis. It's like the disciples on the boat who entered the storm. Jesus is on the boat with them. He's in the same boat in the same storm. They are freaking out. They think they're going to die, Brittany. They're, they're panicking. You know what Jesus is doing? He's sleeping. Eleven or twelve panic. One finds peace. Same storm. Why? Different outlook. Jesus was not concerned with the storm happening around him because he had peace inside of him. He knew he had a purpose. He knew he was on a mission. He knew that this storm, although it is raging, does not have the power nor the ability to take me out. And in that, I can find peace because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. As long as I am breathing, I still have a purpose and nothing can stop the purpose of God in your life except for you and the way you think. So I choose to hold on to the peace that God has made available to me through Jesus Christ. It doesn't come in pieces, but I do have to protect it. Turn the person next to you and say you have to protect it. The, there's a saying that says, choose your battles wisely. Fighting for your peace is always a wise battle to fight. Fighting against the things that steal my peace. Fighting against the things that try to distract me from the peace. That's a daily fight, friend, that you have to be willing to fight. When trouble comes, you've got to be willing to shift your eyes to something better and not allow that worry and anxiety to settle on you. Doesn't mean it won't come. Worry will come. Anxiety will come. Pressure will come. But I don't have to allow it to settle in my life if I will keep the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. How do I do that? What's one way I fight for this peace? The mind that is stayed on the Lord will be at perfect peace. Translation, your focus. Many times we forfeit our peace because we have terrible focus. We watch the CNN, the NBC, the ABC, the CBS, call that the alphabet disease. We keep all this stuff going on. Now we've got a device in our hand that gives us the information of the world at any moment we want to see it. We're looking at it. We're talking about it. We're posting about it. Uh, Herschel Walker calls me all the time. 
you would think like we're best buddies. Like he's been calling me and, and Raphael Warnock's been texting me a bunch. So, you know, I'm trying to make a dinner plan for the three of us to sit down and talk. To but, but, but it's just, I mean, it's all, the, 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 the more technology grows, the more our distraction grows. And as long as I feed into that, I'm going to forfeit my peace. The more I look at the wrong thing, the more I'm going to miss out on the right thing. So here's what you need to know. Peace is a gift from God. Somebody say, it's a gift from God. Say, it belongs to me. It's mine. But I've got to protect it. No one has the right to steal your peace. As a matter of fact, peace cannot be stolen. But it can be forfeited. Several years ago, my wife and I went to uh, the mountains with some friends. We have, we have some friends that live on the lake up there. And he was going to teach me how to water ski, which is a sight in itself. And I get behind his boat, which probably isn't strong enough to pull me out of the water in the first place. And I've got this rope. And as he guns the boat, the amount of pressure that's hitting you is incredible. Has anyone ever tried to water ski unsuccessfully? And you're just holding on, you know, and the water's shooting up your nose, you know. And so here I am, I'm fighting, I'm fighting this pressure. I'm fighting the struggle with every fiber of my being. Because my dad's, you know, taught me, son, never let go, never let go. So I'm, I'm tenacious. I'm like, I'm like a dog on the chew toy. I'm not letting go. And as we're going, my pants start slipping <laughs> down. And I had a choice, my friend, to ski nude or to let go and sink back down into the water. I let go. <laughs> I let go of the only thing that had the ability to pull me out of the water because of the pressure. And that's what happens in life. Pressure comes, trials come, and we try to fight it for a little bit, but then distraction happens on top of the pressure and the pain. We start feeling like, man, I'm about to lose my pants. And so what do we do? We let go. We let go of our peace. It's a really powerful thought if you think about it. We let go of the only thing that helps us come out of the water, the only thing that can pull us beyond the pressure we let go of. Peace can't be stolen, but it can be forfeited. My wife has no right to take my peace. My children have no right to take my peace. My job has no right to take my peace. My financial situation has no right to take my peace. Once I know that, then I can position myself to fight for it. I can keep my focus. I can take a deep breath. I can relax. I can realize that, you know what? Maybe that's not as big of a deal as I thought it was. I mean, how many of you have lived life long enough to get on the other side of a valley that you thought was going to destroy you? 
And now you look back and you go, you know what? <laughs> that was terrible, but I made it through. Now think about all the sleepless nights you wasted going through it instead of learning to rest in him. We, we forfeit our peace many times on the altar of our past. Past hurt, trauma, pain, things that happened to us that were not fair, things that were done to us that should have never been done to us, but now here we are in the present and we can't find peace now because I'm so holding on to then. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to forfeit my peace on the altar of my past. But if I can come to terms with the fact that I cannot change my past, which sounds easier than, it's, than actually it is to apply, I get that. But if I can come to terms with I can't change my past, but God can redeem my past. He can bring everything to a place to where it starts working for my good, then I can find peace in my present. Because God has been good to me, he's been faithful to me, here I am, I'm still alive, I'm still breathing. The things that happen to me don't define me. The people who spoke bad of me, they don't define me. The people that hurt me and abused me, they don't define me. I've got a hope and a future, I'm gonna move beyond this. But then here's the other thing that will forfeit our peace. It's not just looking back. Sometimes it's looking forward. And hear me, I'm for vision. You have to have a vision. You have to have goals. You have to have some drive in your life. But sometimes we forfeit our peace because we think the future is the solution to the problem I'm in right now. So if I got the promotion, I'll have peace. If I find the relationship, then I will have peace. You can put it in the blank, whatever it is that you're going after. And again, I'm for going after things, but I can't attach my peace to it. I've got to learn how to have peace right now, no matter what comes next. Because the truth is, none of us know. We make plans, and that's wonderful. But we do not know what tomorrow brings. And so if my peace is attached to my tomorrow, then I will not have peace right now. I talk to pastors and ministers who go through immense amount of pressure. You know, they'll stand up, they'll preach on Sundays, and, and everybody thinks everything's good, but then they break down throughout the week, and many times it's because they're so forward-focused. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to think, like, well, if, if our church accomplished this, then I would find peace. And that's why you're breaking down. Because you think your peace is in an accomplishment. You may find a pocket of peace in that accomplishment, but it won't last. And if it's always forward-focused, then there's always got to be something next that I'm going after to find my peace or my strength or my joy, whatever it is. I've got to learn, like the Apostle Paul says, to be content in all things doesn't mean I enjoy all things. I still work towards more. I still work towards better. But I understand that the destination is a mirage. Please hear me. The destination is a mirage. Some of you in here have accomplished some great things within business and financially. And if you were to ask that person, they'll tell you it's a mirage. 
It's a mirage. What I thought I would find in that isn't there. Last week, Randy mentioned Chandler Bing, Matthew Perry from Friends, and it it intrigued me, so I went and watched this interview, and he was talking about all this struggle that he has had in life, and he he thought to himself, if I can just become successful, everything will be okay. So he got the job on the show Friends. He started making money. He got the new house. One day he's swimming in his own swimming pool, and he thought, this is it. And as he thought, this is it, he realized, oh, no. The problems I had, I still have. The pressure I had, I still have. And he realized that success was not the answer to his peace and fulfillment. Jesus is the only answer to the peace you need right now because he is the prince of peace. If you try to attach your peace to a thing or another person, you're always going to be disappointed and you're always going to forfeit your peace. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. That's, that's the message of Christmas is that God is going to come be with you and because he's with you, his peace is going to come inside of you. See, we think, again, salvation is more than an eternal home. It is God with us so that he can become God in us who works through us. Everything that is in heaven now resides inside of me. Have you ever considered the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, the things of your kingdom that are in heaven, release them on earth. And many times when we think about earth, we think about a globe. Are you still breathing? But in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he took man from the and he breathed his breath, and that man, that earth, became a living being. So now, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You've got joy. I've got joy. You have perfect peace. I have perfect peace. You have wholeness and soundness of mind. I have wholeness and soundness of mind. It's a spiritual It's not a physical thing that you accomplish through your efforts and your work. It's a gift that he has given us, and we've got to unwrap it. We've got to unpack it. We've got to own it and not allow anyone to take it from us, Mary. I've got to protect my peace because it is a part of the package. Father, right now, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, As we move through this Christmas season, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to see more than we see now. God, open our 
lives to receive more of you than we currently have. Not that you've limited yourself to us, but God, we have limited what we have received by our lack of understanding. Your word says that your people are destroyed by their lack of knowledge. God, what we do not know is destroying us. So God, give us a clearer understanding of who you are, what you've done, and what you continue to do in our life. Lord, I pray for the people in here who are walking through that valley right now. Some of you in here, you're, you're not on the other side of the valley. You are right in the middle of the valley. You're right in the middle of the pain. You, you cannot see better. I want to extend my faith to you today for you to latch on to my faith for you until you can build your faith back to know that it is not over. Keep on moving. Keep on breathing. Keep on pressing forward. And allow God to do his work inside of you. Some of you in here, you've allowed your peace to leave you because you're not the person you want to be. And because of that, you live with all kinds of condemnation. You're not the parent you want to be. You're not the spouse you want to be. You're not the worker you want to be. You've got this picture of what it should look like, but you're not it. And because you're not it, and you've fought for it, and you've tried to be it, and you're still not it, you have forfeited your peace. Today, I want you to know that you can receive your peace knowing that God receives you how you are, where you are. You are in a process. Sanctification is a journey, not an immediate destination. So just relax and allow God to do his perfect work in you. So God, no matter what the case, no matter what the situation, no matter what the person, Lord, I'm asking that you would begin to release your peace to every person. Those in this room, those who are watching online, Father, let your peace that goes beyond understanding fill our lives, our homes, and our minds. In Jesus' name.